Y'all pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would really get those final words of that song, uh, that your son's wounds paid our ransom, uh, that there was a debt, uh, that we owed something uh, because of, of sin that's in us. And the only way that we can uh, be with God eternally is because of, of Jesus and His wounds. Uh, that if we're in Him, we'll see those wounds one day. Uh, in the hands and in His feet. He defeated sin. He defeated death. I, I pray for, for me. I pray for my family. I pray for this church family. Uh, that that would just have greater meaning in our life. Uh, to impact our living among one another uh, and in this city, in this uh, greater community, and in the world. So if we, I believe if we truly know that, uh, it, it changes not just our life or our eternal security, which it does, uh, but our living eternally, which begins today. Convict us of that more and more, all that you have done for us in Jesus. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you all. Aaron, have a seat. Uh, thank you to our worship team. Uh, if, if you would, take your Bibles. You can turn to, it's towards the back, Titus. Titus is, is one of a lot of short letters uh, that Paul wrote uh, to Titus first, uh, but then to the church. Titus was a pastor pastoring a church in Crete, which is an island in the Mediterranean. Uh, but, but here's what we're doing. So Titus 3, uh, it's kind of like a random chapter. Uh, this is not a, a series uh, on a particular book. Uh, we're calling this church, church people, uh, or like church folks. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, how do we live as people in the church? Uh, how, how do we live as God's People and, and what's interesting about the Bible is that there are a lot of places uh, in, these, in these letters of Paul uh, that talk to a particular church about what it means to be God's community, God's family. And, and as I've read over them over the years, uh, it's a lot different uh, than just, frankly, like how I was raised. Uh, or how uh, you may have been raised. Uh, is it like just kind of going to church and going through the humdrum? And church is really like uh, a piece or parcel of your life that you try to add in uh, to give you the best possible life right now. Uh, and that is just not the New Testament church or New Testament Christianity or Christianity uh, in and of itself. And so what I'm going to do uh, in this series, is really probably select uh, random chapters throughout the New Testament that deal with church people uh, and how, how they dealt with one another, how they loved one another, how they served one another, how they grew with one another, how they argued with one another, how they might have fought with one another, okay? Because a lot of times we, I think we try to just kind of pretty up our church, uh, and, you know, tie it in a bow and, and look, we, we tie the, the white picket attitude of our homes to the white, a white picket attitude of our churches. 
And so what I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks is really get real with like how we live as Christians in one body. Hunter said this uh, very, uh, very aptly, very strongly at the beginning. You know, church people, it's, it's, it's two things. One is being part of Jesus' family all over the world. Uh, and so we have partners, uh, ministries globally, but also locally. So we're part of one big, huge family. But if you feel called here, we're also part of, of this family, of Bellwether Community Church. It's not either or, it's both. And I do hope that, that we all see that more and more. Uh, so Titus 3, and, and that was one of the reasons that we had these four lay leaders up here earlier talking about some of the things that uh, may go unseen but are very important in the life of the church. So let's, let's just read Titus 3, the whole chapter. It's short, so, you know, when you hear whole chapter, you're like, that's, that's a lot. It's, it's 15 verses. You may be like, well, I'd prefer two. Well, here's 15, okay? Uh, and, oh, by the way, this is, this is an attempt to be a short message. I say that, and you can hold me to it, okay? Um, you know, one beautiful thing about the sermons, and, you know, is that, uh, and this may be painful for some of you, I hope it's not, but, you know, sermons are, a lot of times in classes or when you're teaching, uh, you can speak out if you have a question, you don't like something. You ever done that in a sermon? Okay. I've never seen it here, okay, and I've never done it, okay. We had, we had one lady uh, who did, uh, uh, and lover, uh, who did speak out in a sermon, uh, which I thought was actually great. So anyway, I say that, hold me to it. Uh, because we have a baptism coming up, and, uh, and I actually want this message, it's a brief chapter, uh, to be pretty, uh, pretty brief, because there's some actually just simple points in it, okay? Not that you're going to say anything in the sermon, but I'm giving you the leeway if you'd like to, okay? Uh, anyway, Titus chapter 3, verse 1, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. For you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, that's probably a wrong way to pronounce that, but anyway, T 
tea to you. Make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. All right, first thing I want to uh, do here, so reading that chapter. So here's the Bible, okay? So I believe every, church, every gospel-centered church, uh, mission-driven church, should be based on this right here, on the Bible, uh, on text, one text that I just read, okay? And we'll deal with that a little bit. And, and then I have, I've got this, uh, and some may, may call it old-fashioned, I would call it old-fashioned, but it's good. It's a paper program, okay? So it's got kind of the order of service. Uh, we actually added notes from the sermon, uh, if you're interested in, in writing that. And then it's got things that, uh, that are going on, serve our church, VBS, SPAN graduation, summer camps for, uh, for our students, Let's see, I actually don't think it has Honduras on there, but there's another form about serving Honduras in there. And so I I say that because uh, a local church, any local church, some people might find this stuff to be like most important. I would say, well, this is most important, okay, the Bible, but this is very important, uh, these things, because this is church people. And this is ways that church people serve and other ways that church people could also Serves. We do this like for a reason, okay? Uh, and then I have this other sheet, which you'll hear in a minute, which is another testimony of what God's doing in the life of a human being, a young man uh, who was not able to be here for baptism last Sunday, who will baptize this Sunday. Uh, so I love kind of, you know, taking all this together. You know, it's, I think it's a good, in my opinion, a good physical metaphor description, you know, putting these, these, these life testimonies, and then orders of, of worship and things we do in the Bible. I mean, this is, this is a church right here. Uh, to me, in my opinion, again, you might debate, and that's fine, but this is, this is what the church, church people, stories, order, organization, and scripture. That's, it's important. And so you're like, well, how did that just connect with Titus 3? Well, that's what Titus 3 is, is going through, going over, Okay? Titus 3 is talking about uh, both the most important things, what God has done in Jesus, but then also, and I've always loved how Paul writes uh, these nearly like simple instructions at the end of his chapters and about people whose names we can't pronounce, but they were like real live people and they were interconnected. And I just love how the people who, I mean, the Holy Spirit led people to put together the Bible. They were like, add that. Like that's not... That's, that, that's not less important, okay, to be in the Bible. Do you get that? Do you connect with that? Uh, these instructions about just simple help uh, for one another at the end. Now, also in the, uh, in the order of service, uh, if, you, if you look at this, uh, I don't put a lot in titles, but I'll throw a title on there. So it says, Submission, Devotion, and Rejection as a title. Uh, and... 
that simple because this chapter talks about submission. It talks about devotion. It talks about rejection. And it could also, I would say, uh, talk about avoidance. Because it says avoid several times in there as well. And it could talk about relationship. But those two didn't rhyme with submission, devotion, and rejection. So therefore, uh, those three would be kind of the sounding title. But it also adds in their avoidance and some very deep relationships. Let's start with submission, though. It begins, remind them, the people, to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. You know, the big question really for this sermon and this series would be, how should Christians live? How should we really live with one another in this house and outside this house? Because the world, I mean, the world is a mess. It's a beautiful day, okay? But, I mean, the world is, is very broken. How do, we, how do we be and look different? How do we do that? Uh, There's a lot of good instruction just in this chapter. Uh, First is submit to rulers and authorities. Now, I'll say this, and and messages are never intended to be political, okay? But, you know, uh, the root word politic uh, actually just means people. So whenever you say it's political, it's just about people. But I had a pastor uh, in a pastor's group that I was with this week. He said, you know, I've always told my church, and he's much older than me, or wiser than me, or both. Because I've always told our church that, and this would be a lesson for us to say, whomever's president, okay, and I'm not trying to rattle your cage here, okay, but he said, whoever's president, we really need to pray for. I mean, we really need to pray for, like, their well-being, uh, their, this is, don't read into this, I mean, their mindset, uh, their, uh, their health, their, that they would flourish, okay? That it, and then it, this is just one instance of submitting to rulers. Uh, it also says that in Romans. It also says that in 1 Peter. And it does so for Christians who are being highly persecuted, not just psychologically, like we kind of can be here in the, in the West, okay, but physically, okay, as well, with saying pray for those in authority, those in positions of political power. Uh, so locally or statewide or nationally, okay, we... We need to be in, in prayer. And, and in submission is in like, you know, being, I always said this, Christians I think should be the best citizens of any town, any city, any state. Uh, because, I mean, the Bible really commands us uh, to live that way, to be good citizens. I'm not telling you who to vote for, and I never would. But once whoever's voted for and whoever gets the most votes in office, we need to be in prayer for them. But it says submit uh, to rulers. Submission is a word we, we really don't like a lot. And yet at the same time, at the same time, you find it constantly throughout the New Testament uh, talking about the church. Uh, it talks to, you know, church members submitting to one another. A husband and wife. Uh, Ephesians 5, that you submit to one another out of reverence uh, for Christ. Uh, submitting to, to leadership. Submitting that it's not just chaos in any group or organization or church. 
And so I think that we need to take that very, very seriously. And look, many of you do, but it does bear reminding for us that this is uh, the church and, and the people of God. Look at this, though. It says avoid. Here's the first time it says avoid, and, and he throws avoid in there, uh, I think, a few times. But to um, slander no one, verse 2, avoid fighting. Be kind. Always showing gentleness to all people. Look at this. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, uh, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. As I've meditated on this chapter over the last week, you know, it's really convicted me that a lot of times I think people, listen to this, if you, if you remember nothing else, hear this, okay? Often, unfortunately, people in church are more representative of verses 2 through 2 and 3 than verses 4 through 8. And it's very unfortunate. And so, in my mind, I'm also thinking, if they're more representative of, and I'll get to verse 4 through 8 in just a second, if they're more representative of 2 through 3, do they really know verse 4 through 8? That's a valid question. And I really don't want that to ever be the case here, but it's a broken world. So let's go through it again. So, we were once foolish, we were disobedient, deceived, enslaved, all that. Four says, but. And I love several times in Paul's writings, he'll start with how we were, and then he'll be like, but God. And this is one of those places. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. He saved us. Uh, the message of Good Friday. He, that's actually the message of Good Friday, not the me- message of Easter morning, just to be clear. Easter morning is resurrection, which we love, but he saved us on the cross. He saved us, not by works that we've done, but according to his mercy, through the washing, the regeneration, and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we would become heirs of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. I read all that again because if you don't know that, either one of two things will happen. Either one, you'll fall into the, and it may not be in the church because it's really ugly if it happens in the church, but it may be outside the church. You will fall into slander, verse 2, fighting, verse 2, not being gentle to all people. Just gentle to those who you need their affection or their relationship. You'll be disobedient. You'll be enslaved by various passions that you'll try to hide. You'll be enslaved by various pleasures that you'll try to hide. You'll live in malice. Malice is hatred. You'll live in envy for others. You'll detest people. So you either be that or you'll be devoting yourselves to good works because you think that's what saves you and you want to look good and you don't believe that really what saves you is the work of Christ, and there's nothing that you could do, and your devotion to good work should be an outward expression of what Jesus has done for you. You can fall into those two traps if you don't know, I guess, verse 4 through 7. And I think a burden all of us should have, not just pastors or missionaries or or elders or deacons, is like thinking about what God's done for you, that 
that we are, I mean, the gospel is it starts bad, as Paul does, it always starts bad. We deserve hell. We might be living in hell on earth because of our sinful nature. And yet Jesus Christ, He did give it all. He paid it all through the washing, the regeneration, starting with a heart to a life, giving Himself for us. And if we have that, it, it does begin with knowledge. It begins with faith, but it grows into joy. That's how we'll be like, yes, I, I will devote myself to good works for a local church, for a community, for a city, uh, for brothers and sisters in Christ that I might not call bro and, or sister uh, in like hangout time or social club. But I'll do that because of what Jesus has done for me. It's a different reflection to the world. It's a different people. Church people, us should be different people and not just play church all the time. This church was founded over 10 years ago. We always said we want to be a different church experience because the experience of many of us who helped found the church was that the church people was not legitimate. Okay? What I mean was that we want to play church. We want to be the church. And often we can fall into the trap, and even this church can fall in the trap of being like just playing church, doing church. But there's so much more, but it does begin in the heart. You want to impact your city. You want to impact your, your school. You want to impact your sports team. You want to impact your business. You want to impact your family. You want to impact your marriage. Begin with that we were deserving of hell, and Jesus saved us and has a plan and a peace and a purpose for for your life. And it's tied into the people that are gathered here right now, I believe. And he moves you out. So, a devotion to good works here. Let's move forward because I said I wanted, to, I wanted to be brief today. And I know some of y'all are thinking I said that earlier. Okay, Devotion to good works. Here, you know, I want you to be called here. We want you to be called here. Uh, we had the deacons up not to show this but to tie into this message. There are things that you can contribute if you really, if, if verse 4 through 7 percolates, and I love coffee, percolates inside you and it grows and it expands. You know, there are things you can serve here and we want it to be joyful. We always want giving to be joyful. We've said that over and over again. God blesses a joyful giver in what the Lord is doing here. And then, I do want to highlight this. So, uh, you know, devoting themselves. And again, I love how Paul adds again, avoid foolish debates, verse 9. Uh, genealogies. Now that he throws genealogies in there is because some people, and this is gets into church people and politics too. Some people think they're more important because of family history in the church. Uh, and I've said this, and I've had family listen to podcasts, and I'm like, I hope they don't strike me down. But I mean, I grew up in the church where the pews were dedicated to families, and my family had a pew. Okay, Amen. Anybody track with me there? No amens. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, that's good. I, I like the people we reach, but you know. And so, well, you know, my family's been here. Or some of you can even say now, hey, I'm one of the founding families here. And we just fall into that trap. That was what was going on there. Genealogies, quarrels, disputes. Or, hey, I can even say, hey, I'm the founding pastor here. Give me a break, okay? There are going to be other pastors. There are. There are going to be other leaders, there are other elders, other servants, other deacons. It's God's work. And we need to release ourselves to that uh, and give the glory to Him. I do think, and this is, I'm preaching myself too, then God can do so much more. But we're like, hey, it's ours. 
it, it reduces, I, it, I do believe it reduces his, his blessing, his favor. And seriously say, we're the Lord's. We'll go wherever, call wherever, but he's called us here for a time, for a season, for a place, maybe all of life, and we'll serve him. I do want to highlight this one verse, reject a divisive person after a first or second warning, for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning, he is self-condemned. Uh, this, this does matter. We don't really have time. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with things like this in, in relationships in the church in, in upcoming weeks, I will say that, because whenever there, you know, where, where there are two or more, Jesus is going to be there, and when there are two or more, there's going to be conflict. Amen? <laughs> okay? So that's just, it's human nature. Um, but this would, be, this would be like worst case scenario here. And there, there are worst case scenarios in churches. And it's something that we in our good southern natures don't really, because I don't really like that. I mean, why would you reject a person? Uh, but it's saying that there's got to be order. And if, if a person in the body, in, in the life of the body, is, is being divisive over and over again, uh, that's why. And really the elder role falls most into this, uh, that you don't, you don't reject a person and say, like, you know, you're gone, peace out, all that. But you just say, you know, you know this has to stop, and we can't, we can't allow this any longer. Uh, now, we've never done this. I will say this, but I do know churches that are highly biblical and gospel-driven and mission that, that take, this could shock you, okay? Bear with me. That do take people off membership roles because of this very thing. We've never done that, okay? Uh, but... There, is, there can be people that are divisive. And, and you have to, you know, it's just interesting that it goes this far back in the church. And so at a juncture, and the juncture for Paul is, you know, is really two strikes and third you're out, okay? If they don't have, uh, if they don't come and repent. He goes further on stuff like this in 1 Corinthians. We don't have time for it. But he says the reason you do this is you trust in the Lord that the Lord does heal the heart, and the hope is that the person comes back into the fold. Uh, that's key, too. So you don't say, again, peace out. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, he talks specifically about a person that they remove from the body, and then they say, they, you do this. And uh, I've heard a preacher talk about it's like a tank. So a, a war is going on out there. We talk about the world being a mess, and a war is going on. So churches should be protective places like a tank. And if someone is saying, like, you know, being divisive, you can't reel them in, let them go with the hope that they come back into the fold and that you really, there's a huge trust in the Lord that the Lord will work on them. Because obviously the leaders or the people who are trying to speak in life are not working because he is not or she uh, is continuing to be divisive. So there is some rejection in this, in this chapter. And I would add to this, there's rejection when people live in this way as church people, serving one another, uh, you will be attacked. You, you will, Satan will cause other people to attack you. That is a real deal. And so, but, uh, you know, one's rejection can also be a blessing and can drive you further into the fabric uh, of a real community, an authentic community, which we have here, and we're trying to grow more and more by the Lord. Last thing I would say, if you experience rejection, and I love how he ends with these deep relationships. And I love how, as we said at the beginning, going back to what Hunter said, it's both within this local church and outside part of the bigger church. I love this. You know, he's talking about, he's sending other people. I'm not going to name the names again. Look, just the last couple of verses. He's sending other people to help. 
okay? And then he's saying, uh, some of y'all come help me in another city. And then he's saying, help this guy within your church. And this other guy who you're sending out, Apollos. I love that. So you've got other people that are coming in, some people in this church going out, and then help with one another. That's the big church, the big C church right there. So if you experience rejection, you should know biblically, biblically, we are not called to be isolated. It's not a plan that the Lord has for you to be isolated. But there are connections and relationships internally in the local church, externally in the, in the body of Christ. And that should give you, and I hope, it should give you a sense of joy and peace and purpose of God's plan. And then he closes here, you know, but to continue, devote yourselves to good works for pressing needs so that you'll not be unfruitful. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace with all of you. I would just say uh, there are pressing needs here, uh, and, and the most pressing need, I believe, is that all of us, me included, know again that verse 4 through 7, that we don't save ourselves, that Jesus Christ is saved. That's, that's the most pressing need. Not new pavement, which you might need, or not more giving, which we will always need, or not more people, which every church always needs because we need to expand the kingdom, okay? But the most pressing need is that we remind ourselves over and over of the work Jesus has done in your life, in your heart, for you, that you can flourish, okay? And that, I'm not saying that's going to give you great health because it may or may not. I'm not saying it's going to give you great wealth, okay? But I'm saying it starts in the heart and then whatever the world or the devil throws at you, you have this peace, this serene confidence. Not because of your resume or your Rolodex or connections, because of what Jesus has done for you. You can move forward not alone with a community. I'm going to celebrate that. We're going to do so now with the two sacraments the Bible gives, communion and baptism. We've never done this in the life of church before. We've never taken, so this is the first, first, we've never taken communion and then had a baptism. We're going to do that today. I do rejoice in that. You should rejoice in that. We've come take communion to know what the Lord does, and we see a life that the Lord has saved in baptism. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for church people, which is us. Thank you that uh, we don't have to hide. We don't have to appear. I pray that we all, uh, and particularly those who, who know from the early days, we go back more and more to our roots of a different church experience, of living in an authentic way, serving one another, and just most of all, just knowing what you've done for us. And there's nothing to hide, and we can live in joy because of that. In Jesus' name, amen.